Hello and welcome to Two Scrums Up, a show about our successes and missteps practicing Scrum in an agency environment. While what works for us might not work for everybody, we hope our stories and advice are helpful. I'm Ken Medley, and with me, as always, my friend and colleague, Mr. John Ragazine. Thanks, Ken. Today we are going to talk uh, about contracting and some of the business side of using Scrum in an agency environment. Our knowledgeable guest today is Partner and Chief Strategy Officer here at Alley, Brad Campolorian. Brad, thanks for taking time to come on the show today. Yeah, thank you both for having me. Brad, thanks for joining us today. Um, I'm excited to jump into to this topic because we intro our show every time with, you know, we practice Scrum in an agency environment and what does that mean when we're contracting and stuff. So I'm really glad you're here to help us unpack that today. Uh, what are some of the business challenges that are created by running Scrum internally with clients that don't? Usually clients fall into, you know, one of a few general categories. They either use Scrum um, they've heard of Scrum, but either you know haven't used it, or they they said they tried it and it didn't work for them, or or they've just never heard of Scrum at all. Um, but I feel like that's becoming the least common scenario. Um, clients who use Scrum, you know, at some level approximate to how we use it, is becoming a lot more common. Um, you know, I think that the clients um, who've never heard of it or never used it uh, are usually easier to bring into our workflow than those that have tried it and had a bad experience. Um, and I find that's often because, you know, they just haven't adopted it in the way that we have, which is, which is, you know, very, very strongly. Um, you know, we have good agile coaching internally and, and, um, you know, so it's harder to get someone to, to accept that Scrum is valuable if they've had a bad experience with it. But, um, you know, in any case, I, I s start from the very beginning of the sales process and, and, you know, feel out their experience, their comfort level. You know, I explain how we work in detail. And, and you know, most importantly, I make sure they know the value that, you know, we believe that Scrum brings to the process. You know, I, I've even mailed clients copies of doing twice the work in half the time um, prior prior to kickoff meetings, you know, just so they can familiar, familiarize themselves with it if they haven't um, used Scrum before. Um, one of our clients even read the book and was so inspired, they brought in a Scrum trainer for their entire office prior to the kickoff meeting. So, um, you know, but I think the important thing is that it's, it's hard to convince anyone to use a new process just by making guarantees. You know, when you're in the early phase of a relationship, you, know, you, you have to you have to establish trust. And the best way to do that is with action, you know, for us to use Scrum to show results by delivering great work on time and budget and, um, you know, build that acceptance throughout the relationship. Um, you know, and, and, and Scrum is, is inherently about transparency. So it is great for establishing trust. And, you know, clients start to see progress every week. They're, they're not just you know, paying us some money and we go off for a few months and drop a product in their lap. You know, they're, they're in a regular feedback cycle throughout, you know, through regular demos, which is how Scrum works. Brad, be it uh, a longstanding client who went through the transformation with us or uh, maybe thinking about the, the sales and client process, you know, from uh, several years ago to how it is now with having Scrum at scale totally 
established here at Alley. You know, what are some maybe differences in mindset or differences in, in explanation um, that you've had to, to put into the sales process moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest difference, you know, since we made our transformation to Scrum is, is how, you know, I... I frame the way that they're going to interact with our team. Um, before before Scrum, you know, you would it was a very traditional sort of organization that I think a lot of our clients were used to, where you get a project manager, and and that project manager will manage the project, and <laughs> they will be your point. They'll be your point of contact, and you know, you'll get these other people that, you know, come onto the project once we kick off. And sometimes they were involved in the process and sometimes, you know, they weren't. And, 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 um, but teams were certainly assembled, you know, a, a bit more ad hoc. We'd, we'd pull the people who were available that best matched the project and, you know, create a team for it. And, and now, you know, you're, you're not getting a project manager, you're getting a product owner, you know, you're getting someone whose job it is to, deliver the most business value for for the digital product that you were trying to create um getting a scrum master and, and you're getting a team you know and, and that team of people is you know dedicated to the project they 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 work together on the project they've worked together before this on many other projects so you know you're you're getting a much more um you know, cohesive experience, I think, in some ways. And it's not to say that we delivered, you know, bad work before with the old process. We delivered great work, but it's more understandable to clients. It's better, um, you know, it's better to have a team in mind for a project and, you know, where you know the the skill sets involved, especially, you know, when it comes to, you know, teams that, you know, do design work versus don't do design work. You know, we know up front, like, which team team is the best match for the project. So it's it's... If I had so I had to pick one thing, I think that the it's more about getting a client to work with a team of people than it is to pick the right individuals for the project, and and I think that that's been a better experience overall. Right, and Brad, you just mentioned something that this is part of our contracting. Like we write this into contracts that this project will be done using Scrum. Virtually every statement of work. Um, which is the the contract that actually defines the the scope and the and the services and deliverables that we're providing you know it, it's the scrum process is included in virtually every statement of work you know this is the process that we will use to deliver you know your product um and you know it goes it goes beyond just just that we're going to use scrum it's like it's tied to you know, our process, it's, you know, it's, we're going to use our project management system internally, you know, it's tied to all of our systems for measuring velocity and tracking time. And, and, you know, using external project management systems means a lot of duplicate work. So, um, and that's an impediment in and of itself. So, um, yeah, so it's like, we're going to use Scrum, you know, your, your payment schedule is, is tied to high level milestones or, you know, maybe a certain number of sprints, um, yeah. So, so yeah, everything about, about the contracting is, is certainly at a high level tied to, to scrum. Um, you know, we even tried billing by points rather than hours, um, or fixed costs in some projects. And, uh, I had done a lot of research around agile contracting and, and, and the concept, you know, just, just made so much sense at a high level. It's, you know, 
points are a level of efforts, right? So more points means more dollars. If a scope gets added later in the project, it it provides a mechanism for for pricing those changes. Um, you know, and and I think that it worked sort of well. Um, but you know, in in retrospect, um, I think the hardest part of you know of any of estimating any software project, regardless of whether you're using hours or um, you know uh, or points, it's think about the the diagram that you often see in Scrum of of a of a backlog where you have these you know really small, well defined little user stories at the top, and they and they turn into bigger and bigger blocks and and then less defined stories and epics, you know, as as you go further down the backlog. And and that's sort of the type of knowledge you have of any project at the very, very beginning, you know, so you're trying to write a contract and the client wants to know, well, how much is this going to cost? And it's like, well, I know pretty well how much all of these things at the top are going to cost, but these things at the bottom become less and less defined. They're, they're not, we just don't have the information yet. Um, so, you know, we try to account for that uncertainty by by setting us at a point reserve, you know, usually about 20%. So, you know, there's some margin of error for unknowns. But, you know, <clears throat> I, I think that in the end, trying to ascertain a price using points um, just becomes really hard at the beginning of a project because the backlog doesn't have the level of accuracy. And that's okay. That's, that's innate to how Scrum works. Um, so, you know, really what, when you think about how you um, when you think about how you estimate things in general, you know you're you're using reference stories. Um, you know that's, that's folks that are familiar with Scrum are familiar with reference stories. You know you pick something that is is similar to this other thing, and you know and then you decide is is this more or less complicated, right? That's the general you know usage of a reference story. So. Um, coming back around to, to estimating projects, what, what I actually found was the, the most accurate thing that you can do at the beginning of a project to figure out how much it's going to cost is pick a reference project. You know, what other thing have we done that is similar to this thing? How much time did it take? How much did that cost? Um, and this is probably going to cost the same and take the same amount of time. So, um, you know, this, this whole process of, of trying to figure out and estimate a backlog at the very beginning of a project um, you know, creating a backlog is great for defining the work that we're going to do. It's not great for figuring out how long something's going to take. But a, another project that has completed with actual data is so. Yeah, this is this has been a, a very um, interesting process. But you know, refining how we write contracts using Scrum, and I think that you know, in the end, the most important thing is just you know making sure the client understands that we are going to use Scrum, that we are going to use certain tools to to execute that Scrum process, um, and, you know, that we are going to deliver things, you know, from that process that, you know, meet their goals and expectations and, you know, especially their business goals. And, um, you know, tying Scrum in any more detailed fashion into the actual, like, estimation and contracting and et cetera at the very beginning of a project just, just really isn't what it's meant for. What it is meant for is 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 establishing an understanding of how we're going to work together. Yeah, I think the the big selling point there is Scrum is based on delivering value, you know. And if if I were to come to an agency like Ali, what what do I want to hear 
as a potential client. I want to hear folks talking about delivering value and Scrum is the framework that helps execute that. Hey, John, how was lunch? Uh, it was good, Ken, but I was talking to some friends of mine. They work at this other company, and uh, they're on a scrum team. They're trying to get work done, but because they say that estimation is too hard using Slack or Zoom, they're just having one person do all the pointing for the entire team. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what I said. Did you tell them about HelperBot? HelperBot? What's that? There's a better way. HelperBot is a friendly Scrum assistant that enables your team to do planning poker estimation directly in Slack. It's perfect for distributed and co-located teams alike. Using HelperBot is simple. It works with Jira too. Oh, so instead of like holding up fingers on a Zoom call or, or using planning poker cards or just dumping out the whole thing and having one person estimate, you can have the entire team estimating in real time in Slack? You nailed it. Have your friends go to helperbot.ally.co where they can sign up to be a free beta tester. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Let me go to that website right now. Oh, here it is. Spend more time planning and less time pointing with Helperbot. Learn more at helperbot.ally.co. We work at an agency and we, we talk about this a lot. Um, and so, you know, rather than kind of like creating and refining, you know, we're not like building a product uh, or a widget or something and then being like, let's keep like moving this product forward. We're creating individual products for a variety of clients. Um, what does approaching contracting and delivery as Scrum mean in that type of a relationship? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. Um yeah, building on the experience, you know, that we we had with with agile contracting, you know, one of the things that I find that now is ideal to do is actually a two phase contracting process for new projects, where we start with a, a short, intense, uh, you know, discovery period, for for lack of a better term, um, of about you know two weeks, maybe a month, if it's a big project. Um, you know, it gives us, and that's, and that we, you know, we can just build for that as a, as a fixed cost. Cause that's a pretty, again, that's the top of the backlog. It's a really well-defined chunk of work. Like we know the information that we need to get and you know, and it gives us a chance to meet all the stakeholders to surface their requirements, their expectations, you know, especially when de design is involved, it gives us a chance to do workshops to, to figure out exactly what they really want to build and, you know, explore all their various, you know, current technology stack and integrations and everything that goes into this. And, you know, the, the most important deliverable that we, that comes out of this phase of the project is a product backlog. You know, it, we, we create a backlog because it helps our clients see everything that goes into the project. You know, even if some parts are still at an epic level at that point, it facilitates discussions around timelines and budgets because, you know, a backlog helps you visualize the priority of everything that's going to go into the finished product we can estimate it we can start to estimate it so you know we have a relative level of effort for many of these things and and you know even after the short initial phase backlogs become much more accurate they become better tools for agreeing upon a final budget because you know once we've actually started to to build a cadence of working together um and more importantly it's not like 
you know, we're going off and creating the backlog. We're creating the backlog together with the client. You know, they they can see, you know, start to understand everything that goes into this product. They can start to prioritize things. And, you know, and then once we do this initial discovery, then it's like, yeah, this is how much the rest of the product, the project's going to cost because this is the product that we're building. Um, so, you know, it, it is very hard to um, uh, sometimes visualize the things that we're building is right. Like a lot of what we're doing is we're, we're building, you know, sort of bespoke products in a way you know each one of our clients you know they they ultimately they want a website sure but you know they each one of them envisions you know how they're going to execute that a little differently so um it's good to to work together for a bit to to build a shared understanding of the product um and and you know define it together it, it creates a sense of you know mutual understanding and mutual responsibility and um over what you know is going to eventually be executed yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out, Brad, that there's a, a kind of a two-phase approach is where we've landed at this point because um, as soon as you start talking about phases and earlier you said milestones, people, I think, can connect that to, oh, it's waterfall. Oh, we're doing this and then we're doing that, then we're doing that, then we're doing that. And it's not that, it's not really that at all. It's That discovery phase is about really thinking deeply about all different aspects um, and the business value you want to deliver. And so doing that front-level work informs the rest of the project to a certain extent. But again, that project can uh, shift if need be within the parameters of the contract. So um, sometimes, you know, I, I've, I've heard it kicked around here that, you know, just because uh, we, we're, we're using Agile doesn't mean that we don't have a plan of, uh, to get to done. You know, like it's not mutually exclusive that like if you think about what you need to do down the road that you're automatically like labeled waterfall and somehow it's like, you know, a little bit more of an arcane project management method. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, look at it this way. It's, it's not it's not bad to have milestones in in, in, in Scrum at all, you know, and in, in, innately when you're building anything, you know, there there is an order that you have to build it in. You know, you can't just suddenly decide to build a house by starting with the roof, you know, it's just not going to work. Um, but you can make choices, you know, once you get the the foundation and the frame established about what room you're going to start with first, you know, like think when you think about like a home renovation, you know, you know, sure, you, you have to build the foundation, you have to build the frame, you have to put the roof and the walls and the insulation and, you know, electricity and plumbing, like certain things have to go in in a certain order. Um, you know, but then, then once you get further along in the project, you know, what it provides the most value to you, you know, maybe you're not going to do the kitchen first because, you know, you just don't really like to cook that much, or, you know, maybe you're gonna do the living room first because, you know, you really like to watch movies, you know, it, it's, you know, you, you have choices along the way about what adds the most value to your life when you're renovating a home. And it's the same way, you know, with the, with the scrum project, you know, you have to do some of the basics first in a certain order, but then what is the thing that you want to do next is going to add the most business value to your product? And, and, and so you do have a plan, but you also have choices. The house analogy, it comes up a lot. I think it's pretty vital, you know, and it can be driven by uh, what you, what you favor or not. You're, you cook a lot. So you want to focus on that first and it's exciting, or you watch a lot of movies, or it could be, Hey, we're going to start with the guest room. But then you find out that you have an unexpected house guest coming into town for a week. You're not going to work on that while they're there. You're going to prioritize something different because the landscape changed. Being able to be responsive to changes going on 
week over week or sprint over sprint or month over month or whatever is clutch to really having like the best outcome in the end with the least amount of uh, painful or duplicate work. Um, you know, it's 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 a difference between taking a road trip from New York to California and mapping out every city and every hotel you're going to stay in, you know, versus taking a little liberty and maybe, you know, you want to go on a northern route, maybe you want to go on a southern route, maybe something interests you more, um, you know, and that's going to add the most value to your trip, but you still get to the same destination, and and so I think that. You know, Scrum is not is certainly not waterfall. You you just have different stages along the process. You know, really, essentially every sprint, if you want to, where you can reprioritize. You know, things that are going to bring the most business value to execute on next. Things that maybe you don't even want to do anymore because you've learned other things along the way, and 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 that's really the the beauty of using Scrum. So, Brad, how do we share the risks uh, that are inherent to projects with clients? I mean, every project has some amount of risk. Um, and how do we share like the benefits that are gained and from efficiencies of Scrum? Like, how how do you how do you address some of those questions that come up early in this contracting phase? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really everything that we just discussed. You know, the, this collaboration on on the backlog at at the start of the project and throughout the project, you know just creates a mutual understanding of what we're building together, what's included and, and, you know, what's most important, you know, regular demos throughout the process confirm that what we're building meets their acceptance criteria, meets their expectations, you know, demos and transparency and scrum reduce risk and in, in some ways, and the backlog provides an ongoing tool throughout the project to reprioritize when new features are added, you know, if something important takes longer, if something, you know, new comes up that's of greater priority, you know, and, and, and we know the things at the bottom of the backlog can be constantly reevaluated, um, uh, you know, as to whether they're important at all. Um, you know, our, our product owners are, you know, accountable to the client for meeting their business needs and translating that into prioritized and actionable work for the team. It's, they keep the client surprised when new requests or changes are, you know, going to dramatically change the the initially agreed upon scope. And and you know, it's it's okay when these things are happening. Scrum's meant to be agile. Um, the most important thing is that we're transparent along the way. That you know, things might take longer, cost more. We might swap something out to when 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 the requests for the for the finished product, uh, the requirements for the finished product change. Um, but you know, again, like being able to use a product backlog um, to visualize everything that goes into this, you know, what priority uh, each item has and you know, to get regular demos and regular feedback, you know, creates a collaborative product. We are sharing, um, we're sharing the risk, you know, and, and we're also sharing the reward. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and, and um, it's, Inherently, I think that using Scrum reduces the risk in a project because, you know, we're not creating this this waterfall chart at the beginning of a project that assumes that, you know, we understand everything before we've even started. You know, that's the that's the most ridiculous part of, of waterfall is that it assumes that you understand everything before you start. <laughs> You understand exactly what this product is going to look like, exactly what this product should look like, exactly what order you're going to execute it in, you know, the exact date each feature is going to be done. I mean, it's it's absurd. Um, you know, it's why waterfall projects only work about 10% of the time. 
um, you know, if, if you jump off a roof 10 times in a row, well, you might not die one of them because you fall the right way. And, and that's kind of how I look at waterfall. Um, you know, scrum is successful most of the time because it is inherently a better process. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like it for, um, for all the ways in which, you know, we share responsibility with the client, you know, transparently throughout and, and build a product that ultimately makes them happy. You know, you, you, you have to deliver value. The most important thing is to deliver value. Um, Cause if you don't deliver value, the client's going to be unhappy and more importantly, their product's going to fail. You know, we are almost always building a product that is, you know, if not the most important, one of the most important parts of their entire business. You know, we, they are, they are depending on us to be successful. So, um, you know, we, we definitely have to do everything that we can to deliver on that. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to make it a, a waterfall versus scrum diatribe. Uh, it is sort of like, if you think about waterfall as it's January 1st, I'm going to pick out all my outfits for the entire year. Um, you don't know when it's going to rain. You don't know when the weather is going to suddenly switch. Uh, no matter where people live in the U.S., there's the saying of, if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes comes up. I've heard it in New England. I've heard it in like down south where I live now in North Carolina. I know Colorado has that quite a bit. You know, the t- temperatures can vary 40 degrees over in the wintertime. It's crazy. So thinking that you have it all kind of like sewed up at the start is just you're going to have a day where you're really cold. And you're going to have days where you're sweating or you're soaked. So why not give in to the fact that you have to make some some adjustments along the way? Thank you for taking time to listen to our show today. Two Scrums Up is hosted by me, John Ragazine, Director of Agile Process at Alley, as well as Agile Process Leader, Ken Medley. Our logo is by Kelsey Lakotis, and our theme music is by Chris Montgomery. Two Scrums Up is a podcast distributed by Allie. Learn more at Allie.co. Our special guest today was Brad Campbell-Lorian, partner and chief strategy officer here at Allie. Thanks for joining us today, Brad. Before we let you go, can you share with us what is the Fibonacci number of the day? Eight. There was no hesitation. We were ready for it. It was prepared. I'm very angry at John. I'm very angry. Very angry. I am very, very angry. I am talking loudly. Okay, we should be fine there.